It's no secret that the number one complaint in perimenopause and menopause is sleep, as in not sleeping. It's also no surprise that when a woman goes to her doctor and asks what can she do to get a decent night's sleep, she's rarely, if ever, told that CBD may be the answer. But we know that at least, at least one out of four women walk right out of their doctor's office and march right over to the local cannabis dispensary. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. When it comes to menopause, midlife, and what comes after, I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. If women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information. For most women, figuring out what to take when it comes to cannabis and sleep is pretty much a do-it-yourself project. It's one thing to do a DIY project when it comes to painting your bathroom. It's another thing when you're trying to figure out how to use cannabis so that it's not only going to be effective, but isn't going to make you a zombie the next day. How do I know that women are figuring it out on their own? Because I did a survey of women who are using cannabis to help with menopause symptoms. When I asked who advised them on what to buy, only 5% got information from a doctor, 18% got the recommendation from the 21-year-old guy behind the counter at the dispensary, and the rest figured it out on their own. Kind of like buying a lubricant. You go into the drugstore, buy the first thing you see at eye level or something you've seen advertised, and then make a dash before you run into someone you know. I asked women who are using cannabis what specifically they're treating. Hot flashes, painful sex, the ability to orgasm, sleep. It's sleep. In women who responded to my survey, 93% were using cannabis specifically for sleep. It was the number one symptom they were treating. I'm here to help, and I'm so excited to welcome today's guest. Ellen Scanlon is the host of the hit podcast, How to Do the Pot, and she's going to help you figure out how to do the pot. So Ellen, I'm so glad to welcome you because the women out there really need your help. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. First question, before we get into the whole sleep thing, I just want to talk about you for a second because, I mean, come on. You're an MBA who spent years as a strategy and marketing consultant. How'd you end up in this world and hosting a podcast called, of all things, How to Do the Pot? I know. It's um, it's a little bit unexpected, I think, for a lot of people, including probably my parents. Healthcare challenges are really what brought me to cannabis. And I think having a lot of issues that weren't being solved and having to see many doctors and deal with all different kinds of health challenges opened me up to alternatives to what might be available. And I think that that really is is how I got here. I, I've always liked weed. I mean, I, it's not something that was super foreign to me. But in 2010, I had a bad bike accident and I had several injuries, including breaking 16 of my teeth. And it was a very tough recovery. I took a lot of Advil for chronic pain because I don't take pain medicine very well. And the side effects of the medicine that I was taking caused so many more issues. So that was kind of its own awakening. A few years later, I was trying to have a baby and really struggling with unexplained infertility. It turns out that I have endometriosis, which I didn't learn until I was 38 years old. And endometriosis, as you well know, affects one in 10 women. It has extremely painful symptoms. So I live in California. And when cannabis became uh, legal for adults, I was very curious. And so that's really how I got into the industry. I just kept following threads. 
I do have a background working on Wall Street. I worked on a trading floor and I like to be kind of where the action is. And cannabis is it's very fast growing. <laughs> it's where the action is. <laughs> things that, that's so interesting is that you mentioned that you always liked pot, you always liked weed, but there's a big difference between someone who's using cannabis for, for fun, for recreation, versus using cannabis for medical purposes. It's always struck me that the same women that smoked weed when they were in their 20s are now in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, and they're using cannabis not just for sleep, but for a long list of things such as achy joints and anxiety. So talk a little bit about your use of cannabis from a medical perspective. For me, cannabis changes my life. I use CBD exclusively to treat my symptoms of endometriosis and I have not looked back. What a lot of women tell me and my own experience with cannabis is if you are consuming cannabis for medicine, it often works as well as some of the other, in my case, pain medication I might be taking, but without side effects. And for me, as just a person who I've, I learned is just sensitive to things, the side effects really can be worse than the original problem in some cases. When I say I like cannabis, honestly, I think it was because it relaxed me. It made me feel less anxious. And so I really believe that all cannabis consumption is for medical purposes. When I give my five-year-old a hug and he gives it back to me and we both feel that sort of wonderful love between each other, that's medicine. And so expanding the way that we all think about cannabis and who can consume cannabis and what kind of person can consume cannabis is hopefully what legalization and safe regulated legal markets are bringing to all of us in the U.S. For women who are less familiar with cannabis, one of the concerns is that they are thinking of it as being something that is recreational and that they're going to get high on. We've got a function. We've got to go to work. We don't want to do something that's going to make us feel high. So Ellen, can you explain what CBD is and how it can be used medicinally without impacting on cognition or the ability to function? Absolutely. One of the most popular episodes on my podcast is about microdosing. And microdosing is using small amounts of cannabis, and you really are not going to feel intoxicated. You do not have to get high to consume cannabis. And I think that as we get regulated markets, as dosage because becomes something that we can all look at a number and say, okay, this is the number that makes me feel a certain way, and this is how I want to feel it's really changing the way that cannabis consumption is. Let me think, how do I want to say this? Um, you just don't have to get high in order right. to and consume I think cannabis. That's, that's the bottom line. That's the message is that what we're talking about is the potential for using cannabis to help someone get sleep. This is not to get high. That is a completely different discussion, which we're not going to be having today. All right. So in your podcast, you did a four-part series on weed and sleep. These are episodes 192 to 195. You've been at this for a while. You are well into the 200s now. 192 was just a kind of a general thing, weed and sleep, how to reclaim your rest with cannabis. 193 was falling asleep, finding your evening ritual. 194 was staying asleep, the key to uninterrupted sleep. And then 195 was basically how not to get into trouble, you know, avoiding hangovers and all that. So 
I am encouraging everyone to listen to the entire series because we are not going to get through all of that information today. And it is extraordinary. It's so well done. And you brought in all these other experts and it's really a wonderful, wonderful series to listen to. But what I would like to do today is just pick up two snippets, do an overview of this so that people can feel a little more comfortable, a little more confident and have a little more direction as to what to do if they are embarking on this journey. Well, the first thing I want to say about the episodes is they're all under 30 minutes. So it is not going to be a huge chunk of your time to take this. Uh, so it's true. Do. I just made it sound like, oh my God, you know, you've got to take off the weekend to hunker down and and spend your life. No, you do not. In fact, I you listened to all the episodes, honestly, just this morning, and I did it all in one long session, which flew by. And yeah, that they're they're quick, they're easy to listen to. So it's not a major investment in your time. You don't have to quit your day job to, to listen to these episodes. Definitely not. Definitely not. I'd like to start with some of the things that you covered in part one, when you were talking about the science behind sleep stages and what cannabis can do for you. The sleep issues that I have are, um, I wake up in the middle of the night. I never have trouble falling asleep. And so I have learned from many, many different people that the number one question to ask is, do you have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep? And I think that once you know the answer to that question, you can really take two separate paths to cannabis. If you have trouble staying asleep, CBD is all you need. It's available in all 50 states. You do need to make sure that it's a tested product, but you can easily access it. If falling asleep is your issue, then THC is going to be necessary to help you if you are looking for cannabis to help your sleep. THC can disturb REM sleep. And so that is something that people who have insomnia or chronic sleep issues are concerned about. What we have found though, and what the physicians that came on my show talk about is that a mixture of CBD and THC can be very beneficial because there is actually another stage of sleep that isn't REM, but it is very deep restorative sleep and cannabis helps you to get to that sleep. And so it's, you know, we're probably going to say this 25 times. I wish there were more studies that could very specifically show us why this is the case, but this is what seems to, and anecdotally, and just in all the people that I talk to in all of the very, very well, very strong selling sleep medications out there, this is what people are finding. I joke sometimes that I'll talk to people who are really not a fan of cannabis. And they'll say to me, oh, I, I don't like weed. I don't know why you're doing this, but I do take an edible to go to sleep every night. And so I think that you do not have to feel high. It is something that you need to try. There's going to be an experimentation phase, but keeping notes, understanding what your challenges are when you're coming in and what specifically you're trying to solve can help you to get to a place where you will feel restorative sleep, whether that is a mixture of THC and CBD or just one or the other. A couple of things. First of all, I, I just want to throw out there that THC also, it appears, helps with hot flashes and hot flashes are the number one thing in perimenopause and early postmenopause women that keeps them from sleeping. So again, while we don't have great studies, THC not only may help women in terms of getting them to sleep, but may also help with the hot flashes. So I think it's it's win-win on that. One of the things that too many women do is to turn to that very large glass of wine or two or three <laughs> to get them to sleep. And it does make them fall asleep, but then they wake up in the middle of the night. And, and I think when you differentiate between women that 
have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep, I think it's really important to include the women who say, well, I have no trouble falling asleep because I drink wine. You know, I live in San Francisco, and so we the Aura Ring and Fitbit and all kinds of sleep trackers are very popular. And a lot of the people who are not very interested in cannabis until they start looking at their sleep data and seeing what alcohol is doing to their sleep, even sometimes one drink, that's when people really come to me with the questions about what they can take instead, what can be more natural, what can kind of keep them in a more um, balanced state throughout the day. And, you know, I, I drink alcohol, not very much, honestly, because I am much more aware of its effect on my sleep. If I have a drink, I like to have a beer, maybe I'll have it at five o'clock because I really don't want to be having it closer to when I'm sleeping. Alcohol and cannabis are both substances that many, many, many people consume. Cannabis is a substance that has medical value. The Health and Human Services Department has come out and recommended that cannabis be moved from a Schedule 1 drug, which is where cocaine and heroin are listed, to a Schedule 3 drug, which is more like where cough medicine is. And so that is right now uh, waiting for the DEA, who is the kind of final body to make this legislative decision. If cannabis is moved to a Schedule 3 substance, I really think that it's going to be hopefully that push that people need to know that yes, cannabis can be fun. And yes, if you want to get high, that's something you can do with it. But it also has a lot of value because of of the endocannabinoid system, which I know you've talked about before. And alcohol doesn't have an endocannabinoid system that it's connecting with and cannabis does. And so I really hope that all of the stigma and all of the issues and the fear around cannabis will slowly shift as the government makes these giant changes in how cannabis is listed and legal and safe access. Well, a lot of the trouble, if you will, started because of the government putting cannabis in that category. And of course, a lot of women who are now post-menopause remember Reefer Madness that film which went viral if such a you know viral wasn't a thing back then but you know everyone watched Reefer Madness with this idea that if you smoked one puff of weed that you were going to descend into the depths of dependency and addiction and death and and that hangs on that sticks with you so it is important that the government get on board and say no this is not like heroin this is not cocaine that is a legitimate concern though women who say I don't want to become dependent on this. And the same could be said for for a lot of things that people do to sleep. And when I think in terms of dependency, I think dependency is the wrong word to use. I think of addiction as something that you, you need escalating amounts in order to have the same effect, as opposed to something that is necessary. You know, lubricant is necessary to have sex. Are you dependent on it? You bet. Is that a good thing? You bet. I could have a bad night's sleep or I can take a CBD gel cap before bed and have a great night's sleep. And I would much rather have a great night's sleep. I am not a person that likes to feel dependent on anything. I don't even, I don't consume caffeine because it is way too strong. And I wake up in the morning kind of like a prickly porcupine if I don't have it. And I just didn't like that feeling. And and what I would say about cannabis dependences. It's actually sort of for sleep specifically, it is tied into cannabis tolerance. And one of the things that people 
don't quite know about, and, I, and we need more studies on this as well, is body mass does not determine your tolerance to cannabis. Because we each have an endocannabinoid system, your body will just react differently. The way that cannabis affects me may not be the way that it affects you. I really don't like to take more than a few grams, a few milligrams of THC. One to three milligrams is perfect for me with a balance of THC. I don't like the feeling of anything racing in my mind. I don't like anything that could make me feel more anxious. I consume cannabis because it makes me feel calmer and more present and more in my body. And cannabis tolerance, um, knowing that it's not related to body mass, you might need more than you think. I take a lot of CBD. Sometimes I take you know, 25, 50, 100 milligrams to go to sleep, especially around my period when my hormones are disrupting my sleep. And so consuming more cannabis so that you can find the best way that it will serve your body and balance your endocannabinoid system really is worth experimenting with. If you find, as I find sometimes, that I maybe I've taken two CBD gel caps and I realize, you know, I just need one. This is like, and it's usually tracking with my hormones. When you say that we're not dependent on, on body mass, one of the things that CBD metabolism is dependent on, however, is estrogen. And certainly there are very specific issues that are unique to women who are no longer making estrogen than say in the woman who's 20 or 30. In the wrap up, I am going to go through some of the specific issues of cannabis in a woman who is peri or postmenopause, and also a lot of the specific cautions, because we know that 50% of women who are 50 also have another medical condition at the same time. So I am going to go through some of the medical risks and cautions and all of that at the end. But just to be clear, your point is that it is very, very individual. And while it may not be the things that people are thinking about in terms of what's going to impact on the right dose, um, we know that that estrogen is one of them. I want to talk about how people consume their cannabis. In my survey, specifically in the sleep section, 47% were using an edible, 38% were smoking or vaping, and 13% were using a tincture or a lozenge under the tongue. So my question for you is, in a lot of your episodes, your recommendations are based on the edibles. And you talk about that it's going to take a couple of hours to kick in and you need to leave time and all that. But you don't seem to talk as much about the tinctures. Can you discuss for a second why you lean towards edibles as opposed to the tinctures? I love tinctures and I take a lot of them. They are not as easy to find as some of the other methods of consumption. And so and not I nearly think... as yummy, let's be honest. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the difference between a strawberry, you know, chocolate banana gummy and and a tincture that you drop under your tongue. I mean, really? And I also think that with tinctures, you need more than you think. And sometimes, you know, like one of my most favorite tinctures is an 18 to one. So 18 parts of CBD to one part of THC. And uh, the the droppers come uh, when you buy them in a legal dispensary with numbers so that you know exactly how much you're getting. And I like to take literally like the bottom part, the teeniest section at the bottom, one quarter of a dropper. And for me, that is, I start to feel it in about 15 minutes and it usually lasts for two to three hours. I take it for anxiety and stress and things like that. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I have a whole stable of CBD tinctures. I know that it will work very quickly and that it will put me right back to sleep. But it's and not going to last as long. That really is the key point here. The edibles 
gummies, et cetera, ice cream, whatever, are going to take a little longer to kick in, but they're also going to last longer. You know, we talk about falling asleep versus staying asleep. It sounds like it may be that the edible is the way to go for that purpose, as long as you time it correctly, meaning taking it well, well enough in advance. The downside to a tincture is that while it's going to kick in a lot quicker, like in 15 minutes, it's not going to last. So it almost sounds like a tincture is what you should use for a rescue option. If you do wake up at three or four o'clock in the morning and you're thinking, okay, I, I got to get a few more hours of sleep. The beauty of a tincture is that you go with the tincture and it's going to kick in quickly and then you you won't be sleepy the next day. Does that make sense? That's what works the best for me and what I've talked to a lot of people about. Smoking has a similar effect. You feel it within one to five minutes, but it only lasts a few hours. And so it's one of the reasons why inhaling THC is so helpful for people who have trouble falling asleep because all they really need is to kind of get to sleep. But if they don't have a staying asleep issue, then they're good. As soon as their body gets to sleep, they don't need any more. The fact that there are these different consumption methods is really exciting for people in the industry because you can really customize what you want, but you have to kind of know what you're doing. So hopefully my podcasts help and conversations like this. I really encourage women not to smoke or vape because we're not looking at something that someone's doing once in a blue moon. We're talking about something that someone is doing on a daily basis. This is not good for your lungs. And some of the medical conditions I'm going to talk about at the end are specifically with smoking or vaping. So I would caution midlife women to not smoke and vape on a regular basis, but to really divide their consumption between an edible or a tincture or lozenge as a from my point of view, a much, much safer way to go. There are THC tinctures. The reason that I put smoking and, and tinctures into the same category is they have the same onset time almost, and they have the same time that they will be lasting and you're feeling the effect. So it's a great swap. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can think that's my point is, is to say that if the reason that you're inhaling is because you want that quick onset, substitute a tincture for inhaling. You're going to get the same benefit without the, the downside of, of trashing your lungs. <laughs> Got to take care of the lungs. One of the things that you mentioned in, in your episode is that CBD is not going to work for everybody. You gave the statistic that about 30% of people, it's it's not going to work. I'm assuming that that statistic came from a general population, not from a midlife or postmenopause population. For whatever it's worth in my survey, I asked women, how well did this work for you? And keeping in mind that it was all over the map as far as what women were using and how they were consuming it. In my survey, 77% of women said that it helped a lot. So there you go. That 30% that said it didn't help. 20% said it helped a little. Only 2% said it did not help at all. I mean, that's pretty striking. Now, keep in mind, my survey is not a placebo-controlled trial. I'm always talking about good scientific trials, and this is just someone's experience. But I still think it's worthwhile. And I thought it was interesting that that the statistics I got were pretty much in line from what you had, had quoted. That's great to hear. And I think the other thing about CBD that is really, really important to remember is you just cannot take CBD once and expect it to help you. I want to get specific now and really talk about the falling asleep versus staying asleep. So if someone says, my only issue is I can't fall asleep, what are you going to tell them? And as far as how to get started, I mean, I think that's what women really want to know. They're just so overwhelmed when they go to the dispensary 
that they really don't know what to buy. So they take the recommendation of who's ever there, which may be someone who may or may not know what they're talking about. So so talk to us. Tell tell us what a woman should look for when she is going to that dispensary and wants to buy something to help her sleep. The details of this matter so much. So are you a person that is going to reasonably give yourself 90 minutes before, but you take your edible and you want to fall asleep? Are you a disciplined person who can manage that? Or are you going to forget and then remember, and then you're going to be laying in bed for two hours while you wait for the edible to kick in? So I think edibles, you really have to plan. Edibles also, when you take them with food, they kind of kick in more. And so maybe you take it right at the end of dinner and the effects, you feel them a little bit more strongly. So I always recommend trying edibles with CBD as well. A a THC only edible can be very strong. And one of the benefits for sleep with edibles is that they can last for a long time, six to eight hours. But if you have too much of an edible, that can be a very, very long six to eight hours. So you have to start very, very low and you take some and you're not feeling the effect in an hour that you don't decide, oh, I think I'll have the other half of the cookie because that's when you get into trouble. Please don't take another. Can you give specifically understanding no one's going to hold you, you know, this isn't a prescription, you're not a doctor, but if someone wants to buy a starting edible to go to sleep, what would you tell them to look for as far as the ratio of THC and CBD? I think that a three-part CBD, one-part THC is comfortable for most people. I prefer kind of a two milligrams of THC to six milligrams of CBD. Uh, There's a product called uh, Camino. It's a sparkling pear flavor. Uh, I give them to everyone (laughs) that asks for them and we call them a warm hug. Can I be your friend, please? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I will send you a package. Uh, Maybe you can get them in Illinois, I hope. But um, a three-to-one ratio, a two-to-one ratio, at a very minimum, I'd say a one-to-one ratio. Really, you want to get a lot of CBD into the first times that you're taking THC because that's going to minimize the head high effects and it's going to maximize really your ability to understand how this is affecting your body. I mean, one of the things that I love about cannabis, I've had a meditation practice for 15 years. I'm constantly just trying to be more present in the moment. And I feel like cannabis can really help everyone to feel more present in the moment. And when you have so much stress about sleep, when you have so much fear about not sleeping, taking something that just calms you down a little bit and allows you to be open to experimenting. Like, okay, I'm going to give myself a week, maybe buy a few different products, buy a two to one, buy a three to one, cut them in half, start there. You know, what do you notice? Wait, wait, let me back up a little bit. Cause when you say cut it in half, can you give us a milligram dose specifically? Because these products, these are, you're going to get different amounts in each one. One might be three milligrams, one might be five milligrams. So how many milligrams of this three to one product should someone start with? I would not recommend for a new consumer to buy anything over five milligrams of THC and then cut it in half. So you're getting two and a half milligrams of THC. Start there. Try that for a couple of nights. See if it helps you. If you need more, go to the five. If you need less, you can cut it into fours, which isn't the most fun thing, which maybe means you need a tincture because you're starting to figure out what dose works for you. I always recommend with THC, start with one to three milligrams and see how it makes your body feel. Because 
THC is what can make people feel anxious if they get anxious from cannabis. I do not want anyone to feel anxious. And so really the one to three milligrams of THC, I think is a sweet spot for most people where you can not see only how you fall feel. asleep, but also to stay asleep. You don't need THC to stay asleep. You just need CBD. Right, right, right. But if you're using that, that particular oh, dose, will that also keep you asleep? Yes. Because I think clearly what you're saying is you need the THC to get you to sleep and the CBD to keep you asleep. But if you're going to use one thing, it's going to be a little THC with a little more CBD. So you take this 90 minutes before you want to fall asleep. And in a perfect world, if it's the right dose for you, you're going to fall asleep right away and stay asleep for at least six, seven hours, correct? And then if you do wake up in the middle of the night, that's when you take your little hit of um, CBD oil tincture, CBD oil tincture to keep you asleep. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the next day. Face it, people are having enough trouble as it is, brain fog and fatigue and all of those issues. The last thing in the world that women need is something that's going to make them feel not as alert if if someone uses this magic dose of THC and CBD, what are the chances are that they're going to feel lousy the next day? If you are afraid that you're going to wake up feeling high or being high, my very best tip is have a CBD oil tincture around. Put the oil tincture under your tongue for 30 to 60 seconds. And in 15 minutes, you will no longer feel high. I don't know why it works. I think it's an entourage effect thing, but it works. And I've given this tip to everyone and it's been given to me many, many times. So if what you're worried about is waking up feeling high, CBD oil tincture will take that away. In terms of the other effects of what a weed hangover might be. It is not like an alcohol hangover. Uh, You are not going to have the same effects. Dry mouth, a little bit of fogginess, sometimes like very light nausea, headache. Those are the the absolute maximum of the weed hangover symptoms. That that sounds exactly like an alcohol hangover to me. Dry mouth, headache, a little nauseated. Yeah, no, you're right. (laughs) It's like 1%. Compared so it's to the same alcohol, symptoms, but not it's the as same extreme. symptoms, but not as extreme. Yes, okay. exactly. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Sorry, I don't drink very much anymore. I've kind of forgotten. And, and when I get a hangover, it's so painful that that's why I don't like to drink. With cannabis, the effects can be similar to an alcohol hangover, but at a much reduced rate. And so that is kind of, we talk, there are women who come onto my show and talk about this. Um, And so a very, very mild type of hangover feeling, if you get one at all. And really what I would say is if you get one at all, then you need to look at how much THC you have. Trying to identify the intoxicating part of the plant, which is the THC, and how that affects your body is going to be a really, really helpful part of feeling how much you need. I mean, getting high is honestly, it's a side effect of cannabis when you talk to really, really strong advocates and and experts. But it also sounds like if someone doesn't have any trouble falling asleep, it's just staying asleep, they should just skip the THC. Unless you're having hot flashes and then the THC might help with hot flashes. But if it's really just about staying asleep, you're better off without the THC because there's less chance that you're going to have that next morning fogginess, if you will. I am very protective of THC around my bedtime. THC for me is sort of activating. It makes my mind feel a little bit more creative. I want to stay up and write and do different things. And so if you do not need THC to fall asleep, 
don't take it, just take CBD. That, that makes a lot of sense. What about cotton mouth? Is that a, a THC or is that a CBD thing? Maybe if you've been smoking that you would have kind of mouth effect. Being... Like, have you heard about cotton vagina? No. I have never heard about it from an actual human being. But when you scroll around, you do find reference to vaginal dryness along with mouth dryness. And a lot's going on in the mouth that goes on in the vagina at the same time. A few episodes ago when we talked about the impact of voice in menopause, and it was interesting to me how often my guests and I ended up talking about the throat being very similar to the vagina in terms of what happens when you're low on estrogen. So if there is something that affects the mouth, it probably affects the vagina as well. I'm just throwing that out there because I have to mention the word vagina in every episode, right? Well, I'm keeping having a hard your... time working it in. So there <laughs> you go. Keeping your mucous membranes well hydrated through tea. One of the really, really mo- most wonderful ways to get THC before bed is in a, a THC infused honey. And I love honey and tea. Ooh. And it's just, you can just put a little bit into your tea. It actually is um, tea with non, it, non-caffeinated tea. I'm just saying. non-caffeinated tea, herbal tea. Um, and the onset will be faster because you're getting kind of a, a mixture of the edible effects, which have to be digested through your liver and uh, the tincture, which is coming through your mouth underneath your tongue. And so the honey uh, effects can happen a little bit more quickly. So there are lots of different ways to consider all of, you know, making sure that you don't wake up with a dry mouth and that you also get to sleep on time. It's a, it's a bit of a puzzle, but it can be really fun. And really, I mean, I, I cannot tell you the number of people who absolutely are so grateful for cannabis for sleep and do not consume it for anything else. You need to sleep. You need to sleep. So how do women know that they're getting a product that's not only safe for them to use, but so that they know what they're getting? Key things to look for, I think, are safe tested product. Third party testing with CBD companies is incredibly important. And you know, I've talked to a lot of CBD experts and they can tell you all of the things to look for in these lab tests. You probably know exactly what to look for. For me, I just want to make sure that a company is doing third-party testing. Honestly, that is sort of a, a baseline. We run into the same thing in the compounding world, which I go on and on about. You think you know what you're getting, but what the label says may not be what's in there. And when we're looking at products and cannabis is in this category of things that are not controlled by the FDA, you have to do your own due diligence. That's just the reality. All right. We've talked about CBD. We've talked about THC, CBN. So you can now see the look on Ellen's face, which is really, I I need like an hour to talk about CBN and you expect me to just say two sentences, but yeah, I expect you to say two sentences. Go for it. CBN is showing a lot of promise in helping people fall asleep. It is a cannabinoid. It is starting to be studied. Uh, THC and CBD are the most famous cannabinoids. They are just starting to be studied. And so I really struggle with recommending CBN because I just don't know why it works. Face it, we don't, we've talked about this so many times and, and I just had the pleasure of being a guest on your podcast And we spent a lot of time talking about the lack of studies, the lack of science and how difficult it is to study and why. So this is just an overriding theme when we talk about this stuff, because everybody knows that I'm very evidence-based and I'm always quoting the literature and nothing would make me happier than to have that kind of science when we talk about the cannabinoids, but we don't, we don't. We really don't. And, you know, there's sort of this 
idea that old cannabis can make you sleepy and the CBN is kind of the old weed. And so that is what puts you to sleep more quickly. I know that there are a lot of companies that are really interested in studying this and and figuring it out because sleep is not only something that I think people want help with all the time, but it's a massive market opportunity. So my guess is that if CBN is working and continuing to work, we will see more of it and we will see more studies. But right now, um, it's it's trial and error. This has been so helpful. Before we close, what I'd like you to do is talk a little bit about the other topics on your podcast, because while you did have that wonderful series on sleep, that was four episodes out of 200 plus. So talk a little bit about the things that you address so that women will know what, what they will learn if they head over to How to Do the Pot. The whole idea behind How to Do the Pot is I want everyone to feel confident about cannabis, not because you have to consume, not because it is something that is going to necessarily become a regular thing in your life, but because when I started this podcast four years ago, there were 11 legal states and there are 24 now. And so it is happening, it's coming and feeling confident about something that is really, really helping so many people, especially people who've been living in legal states and have been able to understand how all of the many ways that cannabis can help is super important to me. So we break it out into health, well-being, and fun. And our sleep episodes are part of the well-being. We have some really popular episodes on sex, and I would love to get you, Dr. Stryker, back on to talk more about it. Our sex episodes are incredibly popular. We recently did a whole series on cannabis beverages, weed drinks, which also have some really interesting sleep implications because they're fast acting, they happen in about 15 minutes, and they don't last for as long. So if you're at all curious about consuming cannabis by drinking it, it's really those are some really fun episodes. Um, if you're nervous about going to a dispensary, we have a whole series that is women sharing their stories of the first time that they bought legal weed. And it ranges from founders of companies to people who just listened to our show and were inspired to try it. And I've gotten so many women sending their stories to me that now we turn them into state-based episodes. So if you want to buy weed in Michigan or in Colorado or even in Los Angeles and San Francisco, because we have so many from these different places. So that I really hope you feel like if you don't have a friend to go with you to the dispensary, listen to these shows because these women really, really want to help you to understand all of the emotions that come with going into a dispensary. So it really runs the gamut. We have an incredible series that's coming up about menopause, which I'm very excited about. We like to do- Okay, come on, plug for me. I was a guest. Oh my gosh. Yes, sorry. Dr. Stryker is the star of the menopause series. Thank you. you. Absolutely. In fact, we've been playing around with the whole- structure of it. And so you are going to be the star of the first two episodes. And then we are going to take a break for Halloween. And then we're going to come out with even more episodes. I also really am so inspired by your survey. And so we're going to be asking women to talk about their consumption, to share those results with your survey. I'd love to have you come back on my show so that we can talk more about it. Um, So it, it covers everything. I think about weed all the time, so you don't have to. These are short, fun episodes uh, that if you listen to, you're going to walk away really feeling like you learned something and hopefully had some fun. They are short. They are fun. And I'm so happy to be part of your series. And I would encourage everyone to head on over to How to Do the Path. So thank you. Thank you for spending this time with me. Oh, thank you for having me. 
It was great getting into the weeds about cannabis, and I'm going to summarize the high points. Sorry, couldn't help myself. Take a listen to episode nine. Can cannabis help your sweats, sleep, sex? In that episode, I really get into the details about the endocannabinoid system and why cannabis theoretically works so well in helping with menopause symptoms. Before I get to the summary of guidelines when it comes to the use of CBD and THC for sleep, I want to circle back to CBN. When I asked Ellen about CBN, she basically said there's so little known and so little data that she thinks it's too early to recommend it, just not ready for prime time. And that's fair. CBN, or cannabinol, has only been commercially produced for about two years. CBN is a degradation product of THC. And so its psychoactive effects are much milder than THC, but evidently it's a lot more sedating. Theoretically, and I stress theoretically, CBD and CBN can complement each other when consumed together and help with sleep. But here's the thing. In spite of the lack of knowledge of CBN, it's suddenly everywhere. After I talked to Ellen, I went on a bunch of dispensary websites to look for some of the products she mentioned. And every time I put sleep in the search, products with CBN popped up. So I walked into my local dispensary and asked about CBN. And other than being told it was great for sleep, not a lot of information. When I asked for some guidance as to a good starting dose, I was basically told, well, just try a few things and see what works. Can you imagine being given an antibiotic and being told, try a few different doses and see what works? Basically, it's another cannabis DYI project. So I don't know what to tell you other than if you do decide to play around with CBN, start really low. So the takeaways, CBD and microdoses of THC won't make you high and using cannabis as medicine is different than using it recreationally. As far as specifics, Ellen offered some guidelines as far as starting doses and ratios of CBD to THC. Before I get into that, as a disclaimer, Cannabis dosages are not like medications that have been FDA approved. In a prescription drug, dosage is based on exhaustive studies in thousands of women taking into account weight, ethnic variables, and medications or medical conditions that may change drug metabolism and effects. When it comes to cannabis dosing, it's anecdotal. So this information is intended just as a guideline, but I can't promise you that these dosages will work for you and that there won't be any negative effects. Keep in mind that the effect that cannabis has on your body might be altered by not just the dose, but also the brand that you use, how you consume it, medications you might be taking, genetic factors, when did you last eat, alcohol consumption, frequency of using cannabis, and if you're taking estrogen. But having said that, here's a summary of what Ellen recommends. If you fall asleep but just can't stay asleep, you may do just fine with pure CBD. And I love Ellen's idea of a CBD honey-infused herbal tea before bedtime. If both falling asleep and staying asleep is the issue, choose a product with a mixture of both CBD and THC in a three-parts CBD to one-part THC ratio. Three-part CBD to one-part THC. And if you're a first-time cannabis user, start with only one to three milligrams and definitely do not use anything over five milligrams. So a reasonable starting place is a product with six milligrams CBD and two milligrams THC. But for a lot of women, two to one ratio or even a one to one ratio is fine. But wherever you start, cut that gummy in half. 
It's the THC, which can make people feel anxious if they get too much. If you wake up and you're feeling high or anxious, it may be that you're using too much THC. A CBD oil tincture under the tongue will take that feeling away, but be sure and reduce the amount of THC you're consuming going forward. THC tinctures, as opposed to edibles, work really quickly, like within 10 to 15 minutes, but only last a few hours. So they're particularly useful for getting you to sleep, but also for that 3 a.m. wake up. A teeny hit of a THC tincture should get you back to sleep within 10 to 15 minutes. And for tinctures, look for an 18 to 1 ratio, as in 18 parts CBD to 1 part THC. In addition to helping with sleep, a THC tincture will also help with anxiety. And that's really important if anxiety is what's keeping you from falling back to sleep. It's really important to understand that menopausal women are much more vulnerable than men to getting overdosed. The estrogen connection is likely the reason that women metabolize cannabinoids more slowly than men, in addition to having a lower body weight. So start low and go slow. But again, there's no one size fits all dosing. And because cannabis is a botanical, you can't count on the same level of consistency as you would with a commercial pharmaceutical. So keep a journal until you figure out what works best for you. And then once you find a brand and a dose that works well, don't mess with it. Stick with that specific brand and that specific dose. Few words about risks. There's this idea that CBD and cannabis are risk-free. Not the case. Nothing is risk-free. Cannabinoids have the potential to interact with certain medicines, such as blood thinners and anti-seizure drugs. In some cases, they can potentially make other medications less effective. In one study, cannabis users needed up to twice the sedation for medical procedures such as colonoscopy. So don't keep your cannabis habit a secret from your doctor and definitely not from your anesthesiologist. There's also emerging data that there's a risk of arrhythmias with chronic use of cannabis, even in people with no prior heart problems or history of arrhythmias. In a 2022 Danish study, there was an 83% increased risk for arrhythmias, particularly in people using cannabis for cancer-related pain. And finally, if you use cannabis to help with menopause symptoms, please take my survey. The link is in the notes. It only takes about 10 to 15 minutes, and you will be part of important and really desperately needed research. And bonus, you can enter to win a copy of Hot Flash How or Slip Sliding Away. Thanks for joining me. You'll find lots more information in my Inside Information books available on Amazon.com. Go to drstriker.com to sign up for my free newsletter and follow Francie as she navigates her way through midlife, menopause, and beyond. <laughs>